Grace, mercy, and peace be and abide with each of you in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and our Savior. Amen. But I can't let go of it. It's a familiar phrase, isn't it? It's one that uh, each and every one of us sitting here this morning have probably said a number of times in our lives, whether out loud that someone might hear it, or it's a re- therefore it's a response to something they're challenging us with or encouraging us to do, or it's a phrase we say to ourselves, but I can't let go of it. We live in a day, and to a great extent, we are a people who like to hold on to things. We like to hold on to things that are great memories and experiences that have been part of our our lives. We, We like to hold on to those things and people who matter to us. But we also hold on to other things. We hold on to things that we shouldn't or things we'd be better off if we didn't hold on to them. We hold on to our past failures. We hold on to our hurts. We even hold on to our sins. We hold on. We hold on and we retain control over things that instead we should let go of and let others handle. We hold on. And then there is the aspect of us holding on to the things of this world rather than letting them go and giving them back to the Lord. Yes, there is that aspect in our lives of us failing to trust the Lord to meet our needs. That's part of why at times we do fail to let go. We're not trusting him. Today, in the events recorded in our reading from Luke, we learn from the unexpected uh, example of this sinful woman, as she is defined, about letting go. Consider her life. She went to Jesus and let go of her sin. Notice, she went to him. She didn't wait for him to come pursuing her. She heard that he was there, and she got up, and she went there regardless of the impact that it would have on her life. She let go of worrying about what others thought about her, about what they would say, and instead only let her relationship with her Savior guide her. She let go and she went. She let go and she worshipped the Lord with abandon. She didn't worry about offending anyone. She didn't worry about being judged. And she let go. She humbled herself and she worshipped the Lord. She washed his feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair. She anointed them with this expensive perfume. She worshipped him with abandon. And she let go 
of worrying about protecting her interests, her assets, and she gave generously, using the expensive perfume to worship and honor her Savior. Letting go. Listen again. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that Jesus was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair and kissed his feet and poured perfume on them. This, my friends, is a teaching to us about generous living and generous giving. But not maybe as you're right away, when we start thinking stewardship, you're thinking, okay, here it comes. It's all about the financial. It's about that alabaster jar. It's about that expensive perfume that was there. Folks, there's a lot more in this text for us than just looking at that. It is instead about a lifestyle of response, deep love for Jesus, and extraordinary generosity of service and advancement of his kingdom. This, my friends, is to say that generous living is both relational and missional as well as financial. Luke 7. It immortalizes this woman, this woman who is incredibly generous. Most importantly, she has learned how to let go. Her generous living is an example to us still today of letting go. She didn't give up by quitting on God or walking away saying, you know, that she wasn't deserving or that somehow he would not love her or accept her. She came to him with great gratitude over the many sins that were forgiven. Letting go for her is generosity expressed as deep devotion and affection toward Jesus, as well as giving this remarkably generous gift of anointing his feet with this costly perfume. Her story? It's relational. Jesus loves her. And she responds with deep love toward him. Her story is also about mission. Rather than exclude her, Jesus forgives her sin and restores her to himself. And this story, it's financial. With amazing gratitude, she presents Jesus with the costly gift of perfume which she pours over his feet. Yes, this woman's story is about generous living and generous giving. Imagine her life for a moment. Imagine living your life in the shadows and not being accepted. We don't even know her name. We don't even know her specific history. 
She's simply described as a known sinner. But her sad story, it's common knowledge. Everybody seems to know it. And the condemning judgment, it's unceasing. It's constant. There's no getting away from it. And the religious leaders, they're the worst at judging her. And I think with that in mind, in that context, it's easy for one to conclude that if the religious community rejects her, God must reject her as well. Yet, the dark, deep stain of her life is absolved by Christ himself. The condition of her sin is forgiven by the Savior. Her history is not ignored. Her history is acknowledged, and it is completely forgiven. She is not shunned by Jesus, but she is specifically included as a recipient of his grace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace, Jesus said. Jesus' point is not that she gave a lot to get a lot. Not at all. Jesus' encounter, this story and conclusion, clarify the woman's generous giving and living is an extravagant act of love directed toward the God who first loves her, who sees her pain, her humiliation, and forgives her sins. Her legacy is that of a generous giver in letting go, coming uninvited to the Pharisee's house. Tears, hair, perfume, kisses. She gives far beyond what one might expect because her, she first receives from Jesus more than she could have ever imagined. You see, God's love is not measured out carefully according to one's ability to keep religious rules or laws. You don't get more because you keep the commandments better or you're somehow you know, living a, a better life. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all need his love and his forgiveness. He gives freely. So one's performance does not define the gospel of God's love. Jesus acts because he is love. Jesus forgives because he is Savior. Jesus gives the incredible gift that I cannot earn or deserve, nor can you. Forgiven. Faith. You see, it's really all about him. The hymn writer of the hymn, Rock of Ages, could have been writing this woman's story when he penned these words from verse 3. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul, I to the fountain fly, Wash me, Savior, or I die. You and I cannot separate the cross of Christ from this amazing encounter in 
the life of Christ. Forgiven. That is what she is. Generous living, generous giving, letting go. That's what she does. The same feet she holds will be nailed to the cross. The same voice that speaks words of forgiveness to her will cry out in agony and say, It is finished. The debt required by God is paid in full, not by her, but by Christ. Jesus' generous giving is an extravagant, extraordinary act of love that only God can give. Only God. There's a story about a king who lived in ancient time. And throughout his life, he was served by one exceptionally faithful servant. And in response, this king loved him dearly. One day, he called this servant to him, and he said, You have served me exceptionally well. I want to present you with this gift as an expression of my affection and gratitude. The king then presented his servant with a chest of gold and precious jewels. The servant was stunned, astonished. The servant never imagines he deserves such a gift or imagined himself as a recipient of such incredible wealth, touched deeply, by the king's love, through his tears, he says to him, My king, this is more than I could ever deserve. Your gift is too much for me to receive. And then fixing his eyes on his servant, he says to him, You may think the gift is too much for you to receive, but it is not too much for me to give. That is exactly why a woman like the one in our lesson would generously let go and give to God her affection, her love, her devotion, her costliest gift. She's forgiven. This gift is more than she could ever deserve, more than the Savior, uh, but not more than the Savior could give her. And here's good news. It is true for you and me as well. Our generous living and giving toward God begins with the understanding that the gift of forgiveness of sins, that we should never deserve what he gives us or receive because it's not too great a gift for him to give. How about it? How would you think differently? How would you act differently if your life was defined as one of generous living and giving? How would you change your priorities? How would you reorganize your life 
If each day included an intentional expression of, of deep love and devotion to Jesus Christ, how would it affect the way you think about worship, prayer, Bible study, generous living, generous giving? Second, how do you see letting go clarifies your love for God? Do you see how letting go focuses your attention on Him? Isn't that how you want to live without distraction, without demands that prevent you from knowing God and growing deeper in your relationship with Him? Generous giving is intentional and focused towards God and His love for you and for me in Jesus Christ. Generous giving isn't about measuring up, it's about letting go. It's uh, pictures like this that begin to conjure in my mind, I wish I were an artist. I even spent a little time looking on the internet trying to find a picture of this woman's abandon. She came before the Lord and she wept and she cried. I was looking for a picture that gave a, a, an image of incredible worship. Those standing in the background, those staring at her, those, you know, judging her. But she could care less. May we let go. May we live with abandon, worshiping him, honoring him with all that we are, with all that we do, and with all that we have. As we thank him and respond to his love and forgiveness for us. Amen.